What are we all rooting for? And if we're not all rooting for some common objective, whether it's winning a game, winning the Olympics, landing on the moon, creating the world's best potato chip, whatever the fuck it is, there's got to be some common objective. I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words, and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast. Shut it down. Hello, hello. John Taffer here. Middle of July, and I'm sitting home, and I guess in my month five of, of shutdown, I don't even fucking count anymore, Corey. I don't know if I've been sitting here four months, five months, seven months. I just know I've been sitting here. We've been getting stuff done, though, John. We yeah. have been getting stuff yeah. done. Stuff you know, last week we launched our uh, uh, revised Taffer virtual teaching format, and we launched uh, Resetting America for free. And if anybody owns a business or is focused on what they can do in this whole Resetting America phase, they can go to resettingamerica.com or johntaffer.com, and uh, there's a, a, a real good amount that worked hard on this content to try to do this for free for everyone. There's a lot to learn uh, uh, educationally, tactically, promotionally, marketing-wise, trust-wise, communications-wise, transparency-wise. So if you're in business and if you're struggling and if you're looking for new ideas or maybe just even a little kick in the butt or a little motivation, go to resettingamerica.com. Look at the free program there. And I bet it'll help you. Certainly, I bet it'll motivate you a little bit. So I'm pretty excited about that, Corey. So we launched that last week, and we've had thousands and thousands of people go watch the content. Wow. And we've had a lot of great posts on social media. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's really wonderful to think that, that, you know, because of Bar Rescue and the work that I can do, that I can go to work with you, Corey, and produce some content. And my purpose can be to educate people or help people or somehow inspire people to get out of the jam that we're all in. And... You can put that on, uh, on, on a, a digital format for me, and we put it out there. And due to the marvels of television, and thank you, Bar Rescue, for this, thousands and thousands of people will watch it. So the work that we're doing is touching thousands of people. And I can't tell you how inspiring that is, Corey, yeah, to think incredible. that you and I sit here in my home shooting these things, you know, going to the theater, we shoot these things, and, and, and how many thousands and thousands of people we can actually touch and that's why I do this podcast is, you know, I think that there's a lot of things that need to be talked about and, and there's a lot of uh, 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 touching that we could do for each other right now. And I don't mean that in a physical sense. Don't get myself in trouble <laughs> here. But, you know, we can do a lot to engage with each other better right now at this time. And, you know, I'm working on a speech for next week at, at, at a major political event. And, and, you know, as I'm putting the speech together, I'm realizing how how bad divisiveness is now. How much it sucks that political views inspires hatred, whereas opposing political views used to inspire conversation, Corey. You know, when I was in college yeah. and stuff, opposing political views were, were great debates. Mm -hmm. They were great dialogues, but we, did, we didn't freaking hate each other. You know, I mean, you could uh, be of the belief that uh, everybody should be paid for sitting home all day long. <laughs> And, and I should be, could be of the belief that nobody should get unemployment or anything, not that I am. But we could be so diametrically opposed, but still go out and, and throw a ball around together. Right. You know, still go to dinner together, still have a beer together, still watch a, a, a football game together. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm wondering if things keep going at the rate they're going, you know what a football stadium is going to look like post-COVID? 
It's going to be double two-sided. It's good. Yes, and it's not going to be the Bears or, or the Packers. No. It's going to be the conservatives yeah. and the liberals. We're going to have to separate them in a stadium, for Christ's sake, so we don't kill each other. One on the right, one on the left. <laughs> Something like that. So, you know, we have to understand that to work as a society, we have to bridge to each other. And an approach of divisiveness doesn't bridge anything. Breaking windows don't bridge anything. It just makes people dig in more. Or it makes people scared to engage. So let me ask a question. If we disagree with somebody, Corey, and I insult you or diminish you or somehow embarrass you or cause you to not tell me your view and shut you down so you and I don't talk about it, you and I don't have this view, there's this blockage between us now, does that serve either of us? No. So... Divisiveness is creating a lack of communication and is separating us as people. The politics shouldn't be separating us as Americans. You know, when I was young, and I'm going to show my age a little bit, when I was young, I remember when we landed on the moon, Corey. I remember those moonshots, the first time we just orbited and we didn't go down. Right. You know, a few flights before that, they just went up and came back. Wow. But each flight, they went a little further. First they went up, they went around the earth one time, came down. Then the next time they went around five or six times and came down. Then the next time they stayed overnight. Then the next time they stayed for a week. Then they went up to three astronauts in a capsule. Then they went up to getting to the moon but not landing. Then they got up to getting to the moon and doing a spacewalk but not landing. And then they got up to the moon and finally they landed. And we all watch this as Americans. Your political belief didn't matter. This was unfucking believable to watch what was happening. It was America. It, was, it, it didn't matter. Old, young, political persuasion, ethnic, racial, none of that mattered. You know why, Corey? This was us right. that did this. When you look at sports and you look at, at, at <clears throat> the power of sports, one of my favorite documentary films is called The Ghosts of Flatbush. And it's a documentary. People can find it on YouTube. It's a documentary that talks about the sociological impact of when the Brooklyn Dodgers left Brooklyn and it was powerful. You see, sports is homogeneous. It puts us all together, Corey. Old, young, black, white, short, tall, fat, skinny. It doesn't matter. We can all cheer for that team. It pulls us together. So sports can pull us together. We don't have that now, do we? It's just now barely starting and, yeah. and, and you know, sort of sliding along if it happens at all. Uh, NHL started what yesterday? Yeah, MLB is not looking so good. MLB is not looking good at all. NFL is now getting scary as well. Players yeah. don't want to play. So you know what do we have that homogeneously pulls us together now? What are we all rooting for? And if we're not all rooting for some common objective, whether it's winning a game, winning the Olympics, landing on the moon creating the world's best potato chip, whatever the fuck it is, there's got to be some common objective. Now, here comes my divisiveness. I'm going to use a phrase that Trump uses, but I would say it if it wasn't his phrase. Make America great again. You would think everybody could agree with that. Now, we might define great as differently, but I think we would all agree we want to make America better. Absolutely, yeah. I think we all agree we want to make America more affluent, right? We want more people to have more money. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. I think we can all agree that we want everybody treated with dignity and respect, whether you're black and white, whether it's police, whether it's politicians, whether it's Joe on the street. We should must be treated equally and with respect. I think we can all agree on that. 
Absolutely. I think that there are so many things that as Americans we can all agree upon, but nobody's trying to agree upon. All we're trying to do is disagree upon. And when I think about the fact that we don't have this homogeneous environment to pull us together again, it's up to us because sports isn't going to do it. It's up to us because we don't have anybody landing on the moon right now that we're all going to do the same thing. You know, I can remember years ago, Corey, when we all watched Seinfeld. That was homogeneous because <laughs> we all watched Seinfeld. Yeah. So the next day, everybody talked about Seinfeld. We don't all watch even the same TV show anymore. Yeah. So what do we talk about at the proverbial water cooler now that we all share? I mean, we can go, oh, it's hot today, Corey. You know, oh, it's this, right. it's that. Now, you and I have worked together for years, so maybe we would talk about certain things because I know you. Right. But you know, if I didn't know you that well, what the, what the hell do we talk about at the water cooler today? So if we don't connect with each other, if we don't find that common ground, if we don't have things that homogeneously connect us all, then we're just going to continue to drift apart. And that scares the hell out of me. And that's where we're going as a nation if we don't start to look in each other's eyes and respect each other again and understand that really good people can do bad things sometimes. Really good people that have affected so many lives in such positive ways can do bad things. And if we look at all the politicians, Biden, he's done some good stuff, right, Corey? Yeah. He's done a few questionable things too, hasn't he? Right. Trump. He's done some good stuff, hasn't he? Right. Done some questionable things, too, hasn't right. he? Right. Obama did some great stuff, right? Right. A few questionable things? Right. <laughs> we could say that about them all. Yeah, everybody, yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to pick apart the bad and ignore the good. And it's easy to pick apart the good and ignore the bad. But the fact of the matter is we all have both. And it's our greatness that makes us shine. And I'm going to remember, and I'm going to take a break in a second. But when Mickey Mantle died, Costas at his funeral, said something in a eulogy which is online. It always stuck with me, and this was years ago. Mickey Mantle was an asshole through most of his life. People didn't like him. He was a drunk. He was a fool. He didn't show up at events. He resented signing autographs. And in the later years of his life, when he had cancer and he was dying, was the first time he realized that he'd been a jerk his whole life, and he tried to repair his life with other people. Now he dies from cancer. And at his funeral, at his funeral, the eulogy from Costas was, all of us don't want to be judged by every moment of our lives. But how many of us can say that some of our best moments were as wonderful as his? We'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash invention age. So that's really powerful you think about that. So we're, we should be judged by our great moments, unless our terrible moments outweigh them, and rarely do they. So, you know, when you look at Mickey, you know, how many of us can say that our moments were as wonderful as his? It makes the bad moments seem less important. So those of us who want to contribute 
should contribute and we should seek the good and we understand that we're all in the job. Imagine if you're a major league baseball player, Corey. You're a young baseball player. This is your first season. Man, you're a rookie. You got to get hits. You got to play the field. So now baseball goes down to 60 games. COVID is all over the place. I can't you, imagine. I would, you you got to play ball. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm playing. If, if you don't play, rookie. you're going to lose your career potentially, right. right? You only got 60 games to prove yourself, not 180 anymore. And this is do or die for you. You've got to go play ball. Okay. Let's say it's eight years later. You're making $20 million a year. You got $100 million in a bank or $12 million, whatever it is. Now you got a couple young kids rolling around. Now you're a baseball player. Now you say, oh, wait a minute. I got money. I got a wife and young kids at home. I can't take the chance. Is it fair and reasonable for the baseball player to do that? I think it has to be fair and reasonable. So what about the school teacher who says, listen, I would love nothing more to come back to work, but I have asthma or a pre-existing condition, or I'm scared to come back to work. So does that person get paid or not? Well, COVID is not defined as a disability that's covered under unemployment or, or any kind of benefits program. So it becomes a real perplexing dilemma. And I'll be curious to know what your position is on this. And we can talk about this next week. But if you're offered your job back, Corey, baseball player, football player, hockey player, or delivery guy, if you offer your job back and you're truly scared to come back to work, should you get paid? Well, right now you are because of the $600 a week that the federal government is providing it, right, Corey? Right. So you know that if you lost your job here, you'd make almost about the same money uh, uh, with the changes in unemployment, correct? Pretty close? Correct. Yeah, but, but for how long? But for how long? <laughs> so, so the fact of the matter is we all have a real crisis, and we have to understand that the person who chooses not to go to work uh, uh, and makes that choice, should they be penalized for it? Well, I'm getting it, and I understand the difference between the young athlete and the old athlete, and it's shared that it's scary, and, and one could argue discriminatory, but it's really not. But these are the, the kinds of things that make people say something is discriminatory when it's not. It's more uh, 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 circumstantial. For example, Corey, if you're that young guy who has no money and you've got to go back to work and you get sick, I could say after the fact that the disease was discriminatory and took out more poor people because people with money didn't go back to work. Yeah. Is that discrimination? I don't even know where to even start with that. Well, so those are the kind of fuzzy right. lines when words get said. So this is a personal choice. Corey has no money. I, in, in this I pretend situation, let's use Joe, not you, Corey. Joe has no money. Joe has to go back to work. Paul has money. He doesn't have to go work. Go back to work. Joe goes back to work, gets sick. There's millions of Joes who got sick because they went back to work, and there's more sick Joes than there are sick Pauls. Right. Now we can say that COVID has targeted the poor. But I'm not certain there's any solution to that. Yeah. It's so, almost like it's a matter of survival uh, at this point. And it's, it's, you know, my grandfather used to say water seeks its level, right? You can't stop that. Water mm -hmm. comes up, water comes down. You know, there are certain things that by effect become discriminatory. Certain elements of our society are impacted more than, than others. Uh, uh, but that isn't discriminatory. That's circumstantial. Right. You know, years ago, people lived, lived on mountains. And the higher you lived on a mountain, the richer you were. 
So when it flooded, the people on the bottom of the mountain got flooded, <laughs> not the people on the top of the mountain. Right. So one could argue that only poor people got flooded. Yeah. So, so we have to understand that these definitions and these words are thrown around often to create that divisiveness, and we can't bite in. Some things are discriminatory, and they should be busted every time, but some things are not, and we shouldn't allow those things that are not to dilute the waters and take attention away from the things that really, really are. So when you think about these things, think about that young baseball player, that older, more successful baseball player, and how they have to make decisions that serve them best, and how those decisions are going to impact all of us on the long term, demographically and from an income standpoint. So we're going through some transitions. So I got a question for you, and I'd love to see your comments online. Do you think that employees should get paid? Should an athlete who's a millionaire get paid if he doesn't play baseball this year? I'd be curious to know your comment on that. So those are interesting topics that we're talking about today. And, and, you know, going back to work, not going back to work. Is there any risk or liability attached to that? You know, what do we do <clears throat> when people who can't afford not to go back to work get infected at a higher rate than people who can afford to go back to work? I mean, these are real issues that we need to get our arms around and understand where we're going with this thing. And I got to tell you, some of these opinions certainly are mine. I want to hear yours. See, I want to be an instrument of conversation. I want to be an instrument of breaking down the divisiveness. So if you disagree with me, I want you to call in. If you agree with me, call in. But I almost want to speak to the guy who disagrees with me more. I want to speak to people who are living this problem. I want to talk to you. So if you'd like to be on this podcast, give me a call at 916-842-5180. And today, we've got a few good callers here, Corey. And I'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. It's my favorite time of, of this show. You know, it's interesting having great celebrities like Mark Cuban and stuff. Yeah. Even Derek Stevens last week. You know, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing better than talking to all of you, exactly. uh, my audience. So again, if you'd like to be on the show, it's really easy. Just call 916-842-5180 and we'll set you up. Uh, today, first caller is in Chicago, Eric. And Eric is worried about going back to college uh, uh, with his 35,000 students who are not acting in the safest of ways. And, and he has a bit of a dilemma. And uh, uh, I don't blame him. Hello? Eric, John Taffer here. Oh, great. Good to hear from you, John Taffer. Caught me off guard. Good. That's what I wanted to do. So, so uh, oh, good. Where, where are you in Chicago? Uh, I'm in the upper suburbs. Oh, okay, like Schomburg so, um, area or? Uh, Arlington Heights. Oh, sure, I know that area very, very well. You know, many, many years ago, I used to work in, in yeah, uh, nightclubs, and my office was in Elk Grove, which isn't that far from you, and my corporate office was in Elk Grove, right outside of Chicago. We had nightclubs uh, in Schomburg, Arlington Park, and, and all those areas, and I, I can remember back then uh, Snuggery and uh, um, Studebakers, I'm showing my age in some of these, Confetti. Uh, uh, there are a bunch of great, great clubs and a, a whole great bar scene in that area of Chicago years ago. Oh, my, my parents have told me many stories. 
Yeah, I bet they have. There was some crazy times back then. But, Eric, what's going on? So, so you're going back to college? Yes. So um, I attend school at Iowa State huh? in Ames. And I'm a little uh, worried about what's going to happen when they send back 30,000 kids from all across the country. And, you know, if I have asthma. I'm your typical redheaded nerd. You know, I got asthma. And if I got the virus, I just don't know how well it would go for me. I, I'm just worried about getting it. And I think for all these colleges across the U.S., reopening's kind of scary. You know, it's interesting that you say that, Eric, because uh, uh, a few weeks ago, actually a couple months ago, I was on a podcast. A, uh, I was a guest on a podcast that was on technology. And I'm sitting with my headset on, and I'm the next one to go on the show. And as I'm waiting to, to come on the show, I'm listening to the guest in front of me, who's a software guy. And he's talking about how they've developed uh, distance learning programs for universities that don't require you go there anymore. And, you know, distance programs for conventions and distant programs for hospital, uh, for uh, uh, high schools. And how all of the digital universe has seized upon this. And he was talking about how it was the greatest thing in the world. And when, when I listened to his interview, to me, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world because I see that there's a huge price to pay if kids don't go to school and interact with each other and be in that classroom type of environment. And I feel the same way about college. So I want to start this conversation with you by saying that I think COVID aside, you not being able to be there and being around other students and engage and, and have that whole experience and that growth experience sucks. Right, that's certainly something that wouldn't oh. be your choice. So let's just start yeah, there. I... So now let's talk about COVID. You know, it's interesting how a few months ago they said masks aren't going to help. Now they say masks are going to change our lives. Right? We're going to we're going to beat it with masks. I remember a few yeah, months I remember ago. It. Remember that? Remember a few months ago when they said don't touch any surface. You touch a surface, you're going to get sick. Blah blah blah. Then a few months later they said, ah, you know, the viral loads don't come off the surfaces anymore. You know, still clean the surface, but you know, it's not very likely you're going to get it through surface. Then they said, oh, it's not going to transfer outside. And then they said it is going to transfer outside. Then they read, and, and I read articles that said, wow, it inflames people's cardiovascular system, and it can create permanent damage. And then I read that's only in some cases. And then I read this, and then I undid it. And then I read that, and then I undid it. You know, these past few months, Eric, we've learned that there is a lot of unknowns with this thing. And I read an article just yesterday that said 78% of the victims tested who have survived coronavirus have sustained some type of heart damage. Now, that's a big fucking number, excuse my language. So, no, I, I'm there with you. So sitting there with asthma, as a young man, you have to say to yourself, I'm in a high-risk category, and am I prepared to risk my life for this? And the answer has to be no. So does your university offer a distance learning program? So actually, I'm in the middle of um, trying to – I was going to go study abroad in the spring. Yeah. So I elected to choose a dorm so I didn't have to sign any lease for an apartment or get in any of that. So I'm actually working on getting um, out of my dorm, getting out of that contract. And I have picked all classes that I can take from my lovely house. Wonderful. At home. In so how is the university being about letting you out of your contract with regard to housing and such? Are they being amicable? Are they trying to hold you to it? No, I think it's going to be super easy. I got a form to submit because on August 3rd, they're going to, they're, all the class info is coming out of whether they're online, somewhat in person. 
So once I have all that info, I'm going to try and get out of that contract. And because again, going to school, my age group, especially it's, you know, it's scary with, we're not very careful as the Gen Z's of the world. Well, you guys are in that first third that I've been talking about, right? The fearless third. But in your case, having asthma, you need to be fearful, not fearless. And that makes sense. So all the classes you're taking, I'm curious. So you can take them digitally from home. But let's say yep. in January you do get a vaccine. Can you then stay with the same class and go into the classroom? So is the class simultaneously live and uh, digitalized? Well, the ones I'm in, they're called WWW, and that these types of classes are strictly online. Gotcha. No in-person gatherings. Well, and the nice thing is that I chose all my classes not to have labs because I am an engineering so a lot of my classes, you know, I'm hands-on. So next semester, you know, I thought this all was going to be kind of, you know, slowing down by the start of college, but it only seems like it's picking up. Yeah. Well, here's what we know. We know that there are three sets of human trials that began this week and next week, beginning this week and next week. One started actually last week. That's good freaking news. 30,000 people. Now, that puts us about five to six months away in reality, from a vaccine, which will be the fastest in our history. Now, I just want to give you a little good news here, Eric. So we got three vaccines out there, one in, in Oxford in, in, in uh, England, which is uh, seems to be a few weeks ahead of everyone else, but all three, they're different formats. They work, it seems, from the initial trials. They're finishing human trials now. There's a program called Warp Speed that the Fed, federal government has set up that has put manufacturing in place to produce these. And now... Uh, uh, all of the various corporations are lying, then they feel that they can get uh, 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 hundreds of millions of doses done uh, early 2021. So let's say that that uh, 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 you've got six months to go. Let's be realistic, Eric. Let's say you've got six months to go before we all get our vaccine. Well, we're into this six months already right now. And uh, the first of the year is six months away. So the way I view it is the clock has been ticking up until last week. Now it's starting to tick down. And yes, it's lasting longer, but clearly there's an end in sight. These vaccines are coming. Clearly, we just have to deal with the time of it. So I'm going to guess if you do a semester digitally, that after the first of the year, you're going to be back in school and you're going to be back in those labs. And I believe that. Uh, 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 so you just got to deal with the time of this semester, and, and you're sharp, buddy. You're on a ball. You know what you need to do. Go take care of yourself, okay? Yep. All right, good to talk to you, Eric. All right, well, th yep, great to meet you. Take care. Could I get a shut it down for the road? <sighs> of course, man. Eric, shut it down, buddy. All right, thanks, John. Take care. You too. Well, next caller is Dax in New York City who lost his job in the casino business and is worried about his future. Dax, how are you, buddy? Um, very good. How are you doing? Good. This is John Taffer, and and uh, where are you in New York? Um, I'm on the east side on 87th Street, so I'm I'm right in the front of the city. That's funny. I used to live on uh, 83rd and First in an apartment building called the East Winds, and uh, oh yeah, lived in that neighborhood for quite a while. It's a beautiful area. You get a view of the park, and it's, it's just relaxing in this crazy time. Yeah. And what business are you in? 
Well, I've been in the gaming industry for three years and six months, and I've been in the general hospitality industry before that. But sadly, due to COVID, we were all um, furloughed. So now we're just trying to, most of the employees I speak with are now trying to find new jobs, and it's really hard when, sadly, all the jobs dried up. Yeah. So, so did you work at a casino property? Uh, yes, I did. I worked in the greater New York area, and I was around, I was specifically in charge of working around PR for the casino. Gotcha. So, so you're, you, you, you uh, were involved in communications, events, overall publicity, uh, 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 and uh, generally getting the word out for the casino. Is that, is that fair? Um, yes, and then also a lot of uh, community engagement and overall um, going into the greater New York area and uh, really bond, creating a bond with the community and giving to education. Okay, so, so uh, were you laid off or furloughed? Uh, I, um, right now we are all furloughed until further notice, but due to the shutdown, we don't know if that will be um, overall uh, be sent to layoffs. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as a publicist and as one who bonds with the community and creates engagement and events and uh, co-promotional partners and all those kind of things, what you do is uh, uh, you get butts in seats, heads on pillows, and uh, drive traffic to the property, correct? That's in essence what you do for a living. Fair? That, that, is, very, that is very fair and just... Uh, really creating a good engagement, just showing that there's always a good side to the casino business. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because uh, everybody confuses what marketing is, but you know, in your business, marketing is very simple. It's butts and seats and and heads on pillows and how much money can you get them to spend while they're there? I mean, that's really all you got. So, so, so my question is this, if you're good at, at engaging a community, and I sense that you are, Dax, right? You're good at that? Uh, yes. If you're good at, at adding energy uh, uh, to public relations and communications and outreach and events, uh, uh, um, and are you? Are you good at that? Um, yes, and just um, generally with all the senators and your councilmen and then just showing the overall engagement when it comes to things like Chinese New Year, when it comes to just uh, engaging the community with just general big artists that have been around the greater New York industry and creating events really to create stir around the casino and also bring people together. So that's really what uh, the PR department is really about. And it's really about creating a good image around the morale of the greater gaming industry. Okay. So what if I ask you to say what you just said all over again, but don't say the gaming industry, say the consumer space. <laughs> well, Yes, um, just and then when general marketing, just creating good engage, community engagement and overall marketing in the consumer space is also a big aspect. So really bringing that into the marketing, marketing world is a big thing, and it's especially needed right now during the COVID crisis when Bingo. it comes to companies that are outraged. Bingo, you just read my mind. So there are companies now all over New York, all over Yonkers, whatever section that you're in. And, and you know, right now they can't write big checks for marketing, but they're trying to get noticed. They need to connect with their communities more than ever before. 
They got to get the word out that they're safe, that they can be trusted, that they're implementing the right safety procedures. They got to implement the right promotions, the right engagement strategies, the right online strategies, the right communications programs. All of these businesses are challenged right now. And I wonder if you couldn't be a partial public relations consultant to four or five of them. And I'm not saying open an agency. I'm not saying starting a practice right now. But what if you went to somebody and said, I'm going to be your fractional public relations manager. I'm going to dedicate a fifth of my time to you. I'm going to put together the engagement programs. I'm going to put together a couple of events for you. I'm going to put together some co-promotional partners for your business. It could be a card shop. It could be a pizza place. Uh, uh, it could be a, uh, uh, almost any business, a gym, you name it. And, <clears throat> and I'm going to do that for you for X amount of dollars a month. And then find another one. And at 20% of your time, it starts to become affordable for each one. And why don't you look at this as an opportunity to be really help these businesses succeed and put together a program where you can, on a fractional basis, help four, five, or six of them really connect with their community, get involved together. Maybe those five businesses are in the same market, Dax, and you can even connect them to some merchant group where their resources are pooled and there's coupons back and forth between each other. You could be an instrument of helping them and helping yourself at the same time. Is that a crazy idea? I mean, it, it definitely is not. And um, the other industry as well that I'm also involved in just on the creative aspect is the nightlife and entertainment aspect. And that's also shut down in New York. So really thinking about how to help both the general businesses and the, also the nightlife industry too is a big thing because lots of nightclubs are shuttered and there's many, there's many different consumer aspects that you need just for PR and just in the general marketing space. Well, here in Las Vegas, which is where I'm sitting, all of our nightclubs are closed. And, of course, we have the biggest nightclubs in the world here. Our average nightclub, not average, our higher sales nightclubs here in Las Vegas will do $80 million a year plus. And, you know, there are clubs like that in New York, like Lavo is, is one that comes to mind, Marquee. Uh, we'll do very significant numbers in New York. And there's a few of those, but there's many of them in Vegas. And, you know, we do hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're all out of work. And you're exactly right, Dax, because I say to myself, people that are in the nightclub promotion, nightclub social media business, are some of the most active and engaged in the entire world. So there's a great talent pool, and you're one of them. So you know how to sell the business that you represent, don't you, Dax? You know how to sell that casino, don't you? You know how to put together uh, these events. I want you to learn how to sell yourself now. Listen to what I'm saying. This is important. You know how to sell the business. You know what to do. At this juncture in your career, you might have to make a jump to another industry. You might have to. You might not have a choice. You might may have to make a jump into a, a discipline uh, within the areas of work that you've had before that might be narrower but in any case right now if you could promote yourself as well as you could promote that casino you'd be in a much better place so I want you to take all the skills that you've learned about engaging a community for the business and do it for yourself I want that's that's how you move forward out of this and consider the fractional program, but sit down and say, of all the skills that I know, and this is to everybody who's listening, 
If you know how to market a business, figure out how to market yourself. If you know how to promote, figure out how to promote yourself. If you know how to operate and create impressive environments, then figure out a way to do it around yourself. Now is the time for us to switch these assets to our personal self. Dax, you sound like a, a talented guy who has a great set of skills who could help thousands of businesses right now in New York. Buddy, I want to leave you with a word of motivation. Go do it. Does that make sense? It definitely does. And uh, just seeing what you have done with Bar Rescue and really just how you've been a voice through this whole crazy time is really the one thing that motivates me just to realize maybe there's other avenues to explore. Well, find two or three businesses that you don't want to help. They're not right for you. And then go in and pitch them. Because if they say no to you, it won't bother you. You'll laugh it off. And you and by the time you talk to the third or fourth one, you'll know what you're doing. Make the second, third, or fourth one the ones that you really want to work with. And I bet you can make this happen, buddy. Good luck. Thank, thank you very much. Take care. You know, when we do this podcast, talking to you is every bit as important to me as talking to the celebrities and the athletes and musicians and the other guests that we have on the show. So if you have something to say, I want to talk to you about it. So you can call... Studio at 916-842-5180. Again, 916-842-5180. Either Corey, our producer, will call you back and set up an opportunity for you to come on the podcast live. And sometimes I'll even answer the voicemail that you leave. But we're going to try to talk with you as much as we can. I try to make every second or third show about you, the audience. So participate. Let's go at it together. Call me anytime, 916-842-5180, and watch our social feeds because we'll often tell you what the topic of the week is and we'll engage you socially, then get you on the phone, then get you on the podcast, and I'd love to talk to you. So this next caller, we called back, but she wasn't there, but I still wanted to answer. So this is Valerie's voicemail. Hi, Mr. Taffer. My name is Valerie, and I live in Connecticut. Um, I work at a country club in a very rich area, and these people have seemed to have lost their mind. Anywho, I would really love to talk to you and get your perspective on how as I, as the employee, can keep myself safe when the members are not keeping them safe, and we recently had to shut down our pool because one of the lifeguards had covid um, yeah, it's just a hot mess up here. Well, Valerie, we're going to call you back and make sure that you get this message, but you're in a tough spot. You know, you're in Connecticut, which is an affluent area. I'm guessing I know the area that you're in by your area code. And, uh, you know, the COVID, I said the response of people is going to be in thirds. The first third is going to be come out right away. They're going to be younger. They're going to be fearless. They're going to jump right in. The second third is the reserve third. They're going to watch what happens with the first third. If things seem safe, then they'll start to come out. And then the third third is what I call the certain third. They're the ones that are going to wait until they're certain before they come out. And, and, and they might be people like Eric, who we spoke to a few minutes ago, who has asthma, or somebody else who has a pre-existing condition or just doesn't want to take the chance. So you're working in a country club environment, and yep, there's a lot of country club members that are not wearing masks. It's a private club. You know, they're in the locker room. They feel safe in this environment. But you're also in an affluent area, which is, tends to be older demographically and higher risk for death in COVID. So the fact that they're not being safe is contrary to the risk factor that typically they would have uh, of being members of a high-scale country club. But Valerie, you have a decision to make. 
You can wear gloves. You can wear a mask. You can wash your hands constantly. You can wear face protective gear. But the fact of the matter is you can still get the virus if you make one mistake. If you wipe your eyes with your hands that you didn't wash. If you don't wear protection over your eyes all the time. So I would, first of all, wear a face mask. I would wear a face protector, which is a plexiglass shield. And there's some that you can get that are even just like eyeglasses that hang down over your face. You certainly have to be washing your hands constantly. I mean, every five minutes constantly. Anytime you touch anything that a guest touched. And then you have to keep your physical distance from guests. You have to take an order from a table from six, eight feet away. If you take all of those steps and don't touch your eyes, don't touch your nose, you're probably in a great place. Certainly in the best place that you can possibly be. But make no mistake, Valerie, if you go to work in that environment and you do make a mistake, you could be at risk. Now, I'm guessing that lifeguard probably made a mistake. He probably wasn't wearing a mask. He probably didn't wash his hands. He probably rubbed his eyes, rubbed his mouth, put something in his mouth that he shouldn't have, and somehow created a viral load and got himself sick. So you have to understand the risk that you're taking, and you have to make certain that you make no mistakes. If you make no mistakes, you'll be fine. Just watch out for those mistakes. If you make no mistakes, you'll be fine. So you have to weigh the risk and what's best for you. I think what's best for all of us is we protect ourselves, we don't make mistakes, and we get back to work. To me, this was an important show. We talked about a whole bunch of things. We really covered a lot of ground. You know, we covered the fact that, that uh, in our call with Derek that, that, you know, vaccines are coming at the end of the year. We have six more months to go with this thing. We just have to figure out how to deal with it. Corey, it's just going to go on for a few more months. We've got to keep going, and we can't get complacent. We can't make mistakes. That's the trick. No mistakes. You know, we talked about divisiveness and how we're not communicating with each other as effectively. And I think that's something really important that we all need to think about. We even talked about the whole premise of how discrimination and how that word is thrown around so much now. When some things are not discriminatory, they're more circumstantial, if you will. And we talked about how when things are discriminatory, it's so critical that we react properly to them and do the right thing. But when there's noise and the word is thrown away around so broadly, it dilutes our ability to really make a difference. So there's a lot to think about in this podcast. I want to leave you with one final thought. Find somebody who disagrees with you politically this week and try to engage with them, not in a political argument. You know, just try to engage. Let's build friends these next few weeks, not enemies. If we build friendships, we can force the politicians around us to do the same, and maybe we can build a bridge to our future together. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Subscribe to the John Tapper Podcast right now for more episodes every Thursday.